on cornerofthegalaxy.com. It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box, the show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you on a Monday, December 11th. MLS season is officially over. 2-1 winners Columbus Crew over LAFC and MLS Cup. Maybe we'll talk about our thoughts a little bit about that game a little bit later. Uh, we're certainly going to get there. Uh, the big thing everybody, I'm sure, is waiting is uh, General Manager Will Koontz will be joining us in about eight minutes or so. So we're excited to have him on. Uh, that'll be fun. But we got a lot of other stuff, rumors in this. Uh, we want to talk about Don Garber's uh, sort of state of the league speech that was in there as well. Uh, there's some LA Galaxy news with the trade window open. All sorts of fun stuff is around. And we are ready to talk about it all. And to help me do it, we're glad to have him back. It's Mr. Kevin, the Panda Baxter. Kev, how you doing, bud? Hey, you know what? It's going to be great to have Will Coons here, but I'm not sure why the Galaxy hired him. I mean, Greg Vanny signed one of the greatest kickers of all time. <laughs> we were just talking about this, and I, I, I did not put two and two together. I knew that it was a former Toronto or a, a Toronto draftee that had uh, not stayed in the MLS and had gone to the NFL and now was the kicker for the Dallas Cowboys. I did not realize it was Greg Vanny who drafted him. So, so he, he does yeah. have an eye for talent. That's what you know. Yeah, Brand, his name is Brandon Aubrey. Greg Vanny drafted him number one in 2017 in Toronto. He never really played much in Toronto um, and apparently he was watching TV with somebody uh, several years ago uh, and they watched somebody miss a place kick and and the, the person Brandon Aubrey was watching TV with said you could do that and so he decided to try uh, you know tackle football and and he signed with the Cowboys in July he's now 30 for 30 on field goals he missed his very first kick of his uh, NFL career he missed a he missed an extra point against the Giants. Okay. Um, but, but he's 30 for 30 with, from field goal uh, on field goals. And this week against the Philadelphia Eagles, he made a 59-yarder and a 60-yarder. First player ever to make two field goals of 59 yards or, or more in the same game. And apparently the 60-yard field goal actually landed in the net behind the goalpost. You know, that's that's like another five or ten yards. He's, he's, so got some, he's still got legit. some room. And he's still got he's some got room. Greg Zanny to thank for all this. <laughs> Oh, wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that? Yeah. I mean, an interesting story for sure. I, I want to say, do you, did you traveled to Columbus, did you not? So you were there and, and back. So how was, how was the and trip? Boy, overall? my arms tired. Huh? And what, what was that? I said, how was the trip overall? What did you, did you, did it, you enjoy it? Was, um, the trip there was terrible um, because uh, to get to Columbus is one of the things I told, uh, I told MLS afterwards. I said, from now on, let's hold these MLS cup finals in real towns. Um, <laughs> it was very hard to get to Columbus. Had to go from Burbank to Denver, and then the plane broke. Right. Um, so right. had to get another plane. 
Um, and then, so after waiting several hours for another flight, then it was Denver to, uh, O'Hare, then from O'Hare to Columbus, finally got there after midnight, uh, coming home was a little bit better. Um, but you know, and Cincinnati would have been bad too. Cincinnati would have taken a couple of transfers. It's not, it's not a real town either. You're, you're, you're out on the Midwest. I can tell you're not going to be invited back to a lot of these places. You know, Well, you know what, if you go to Cincinnati, if you've never been there, you don't even go to Cincinnati. You fly into Covington, Kentucky. Um, um, but Having said all that, um, actually, this is my seventh trip, I think, to Cleveland for soccer. It's actually a pretty cool town. The downtown Colum- area. Columbus or Cleveland? Columbus. Oh, sorry, me. yeah. Columbus, yeah. The, the downtown area around Columbus is is really, it's historic. It's really nice. I had a great time walking along the river and doing some things there. Um, and it was one of those things I was talking to somebody uh, about, you know, this job being a sports writer. And I thought, you know, I, I really enjoyed Columbus. It's a great city. And I said I've been there seven times. It's not a city I would ever have gone to if it wasn't for work. Yeah. And there's there's a lot of cities I think I've been to. Cincinnati is another one that I probably wouldn't have gone to if not for work um, that I liked. But Columbia, you know, St. Louis, uh, maybe I would have gone there for something else. But Columbus is is it's really a great city, and the atmosphere around the crew. Um, there's just not there's they have a AAA baseball team, the Columbus Clippers. They draw pretty well. They have the the uh, Blue Jackets in hockey. Right. But it's, and, of course, the Ohio State universities, it, it is a sports town. They just don't have a lot of professional teams, and they've really, really come out and adopted the crew. That's fun. That's fun. Well, it was uh, it was uh, an interesting game to watch, for sure. Uh, Columbus played so well. That's just, I mean, talk about a turnaround with uh, with Columbus, and they get rid of Caleb Porter. They bring in Wilford Nancy. Uh, the, you know, there's always the, these guys, and, and that's a guy who I never thought would, you know, you hear his name in Montreal, and he, he was, at least in my mind, an unknown sort of guy. You didn't know a lot about him. Has a ton of success with Montreal, leaves there, goes to Columbus, wins the MLS Cup. Um, you know, he, he turns things around. He gets things pointed in the right direction. Not that Columbus was a bad team last year. Um, but you know, they, they weren't the, the way that they played in that final was outstanding soccer, some really, really outstanding soccer. And it was fun to watch the atmosphere there. They, they, they have the buildings about 20,000, a little over. They sold out. Of course, there were 1700 LAFC fans there. They made a lot of noise. So the crew fans tried to make their noise back. The atmosphere was amazing. It rained through the whole game. Yeah, I saw which, that. Um, um, I don't. I, it didn't appear to really affect play, but the the atmosphere, the sound level was higher than anything I think I've ever heard. That the building for one really holds the sound. That's cool. Which helps. Yeah, it looks um, like a gorgeous stadium. It's it's on the list of places to go just so I can go to that stadium. But um, glad 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 you were there, and obviously we can talk about it a little more. Let's get to a little bit of LA Galaxy news because uh, right after we had a podcast last Monday, the LA Galaxy made an announcement. Uh, they announced that uh, they were promoting uh, LA Galaxy's Will Kuntz to general manager, right? So basically going from a subordinate to Greg Vanny to now being the chief soccer op- officer or the top of the pyramid on the soccer side of operations, right? We should w- get him on the show and talk to him. That's a great that. idea. It would have been better if you said that in two minutes and then it would have, then we could have, we could have just connected him um, like that. But uh, we're going to have him on the show, which is fun. We've been trying to have him on the show actually for a couple weeks. I'm glad. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe the, it's sometimes it's like they know that they shouldn't come on the show right whenever they do and they're waiting for something else but um, some really interesting stuff going on with the galaxy and a very smart guy came highly touted um, you know New York Yankees organization Major League Soccer uh, LAFC and now LA Galaxy and all these things that are sort of coming around 
um, you know, it's it's funny because everybody says let Will Koontz cook, right? Everybody's like let him let him cook, let him do his thing. And I'm so I wanted to come up with a segment that was sort of like uh, cooking with Koontz, right? That that's that's what it should be. And so maybe that's what we'll title uh, the segment here whenever he comes on. But uh, we're we're super excited to have him on, Kevin. This it, it feels like it wasn't a surprise. I didn't know it was happening. I don't think you knew it was happening in terms of that they were going to make that announcement. But uh, it didn't it didn't really seem a surprise. But you have to wait because uh, as uh, he's probably a very prompt person, right? And so I'm uh, I'm pretty excited if we can uh, if we can get him on yeah. here and everything works. I didn't, was, I didn't think it was a surprise either. I mean, I I kind of thought when he came in that was always going to be his position. Now, it, you know, I, I'm uh, you know maybe there were contractual issues. Right. Maybe there's just re- rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic, right? Uh, and all that kind of stuff. Maybe that had to happen, but. You don't bring a guy like Will Koontz in and say, yeah, yeah you're going to be you to sit over there. All right. You know, well, he's going to run the show. Well, let's let's ask him. Everybody, welcome back to the show. We've had him on once before. We're glad to have him on again here in the preseason that leads up. Newly uh, appointed or freshly minted general manager for the L.A. Galaxy, Mr. Will Koontz. Will, are you there? Gentlemen, how we doing? Uh, we're doing excellent. Thank you. Uh, Kevin's arms are tired coming back from MLS Cup. But other than that, uh, everything else seems pretty good. Well, he said, gentlemen, you must be on the wrong show. <laughs> he, did, he didn't know you were going to be here. <laughs> hey, I, 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 I heard you got out of baby duties tonight and you came over with the infants over here. It's kind of the same thing. We don't cry as much, but it's kind of the same thing. Listen, no offense. I'll, I'll take my daughter over both of you guys every day of the week and twice on Tuesday. But uh, luckily, my, my mother-in-law is in town. Uh, we've got a, a 50-person party uh, this Saturday for her second birthday. So it's, uh, there's a lot going on. Around awesome, awesome. Big, big, big things going on. Well, we're glad you could take a little bit of time and come on the show. Um, let's let's talk about this promotion. When you joined the L.A. Galaxy in the position that you were, um, I think there was a lot of speculation that perhaps that wasn't the position that you would end up with. Was this in the cards always? Was this a possibility always? Or did you come over to the LA Galaxy with sort of the hope that perhaps you could be that that top of the pyramid guy there as general manager? It, it certainly was not in the, you know, in the cards or, or sort of in the offing when I came over. Um, you know, I, I joined the Galaxy because I've, you know, always kind of had a dream of, being a part of the club and, you know, when you look at the landscape of, of MLS clubs, um, you know, just the opportunity to be a part of the club and, and help kind of bring it back to greatness, I think was, was quite frankly more appealing than a lot of maybe better opportunities to other clubs. So, you know, you always kind of hope that if you can kind of come in and do good work and, and be a part of something special uh, that gets rewarded. But, uh, you know, it was always, uh, kind of the plan to say, Hey, I'm going to come and just, and help, help us do good work. So, you know, certainly, uh, humbling, flattering, honored, you know, honoring to be, uh, given the opportunity, but, uh, you know, I think it's exceeding my kind of 99th percentile for what I might've hoped. I, I was going to ask, you know, you, you reported to Greg Vanny when this started and now he reports to you. Is that, is that a weird situation? Does sports make that situation more common than maybe, uh, just the, the general business world? No, I don't think so. You know, in a, in a lot of ways, sports make it a little bit easier. Um, you know, the the bulk of the pressure that we face comes from from outside, right? So, and and that's the nature of of being part of a, a team of professional sports, right? Um, you have to be a strong unit internally because you know everybody is looking to come at you from outside, and so it's almost like being in a submarine, right? Like you, you have to make sure that the the internal pressure can meet the external external pressure and 
you know, it really doesn't change the way we work. Uh, it doesn't change the way we make decisions. It doesn't change the, you know, our player profiles or, or how we go about um, you know, trying to put together a winning club. Kevin, you, you have a question. I'll, I'll shoot it over to you. Yeah. Uh, we saw this weekend, uh, Wilfred Nancy became the first black manager to win an MLS cup. Um, that should have happened a long time ago. It didn't, it, it did happen this weekend. And, and my understanding is your promotion makes you the, the only black general manager in the league. And one of the very few executives at the general manager owner level uh, or above, is that important to you? Is that a, a milestone that we need to be talking about? No, listen, I'm, I'm not the first, right? And we've had sporting directors like Dennis Hamlet and, and Ali Curtis in the league. Um, and they've been very successful at different clubs. You know, I think one of the, the great things about MLS is the effort that they put into promoting, um, you know, not just people of color, but under, you know, people from underrepresented groups uh, and giving them a platform, right? I think, you know, it's, it's really about, hey, who is the best that we can get, um, irrespective of sort of race, color, or creed, right? And, and we're just looking for people uh, who can do the job. And I think that's a massive advantage that, that we hold here in, uh, in this country and in this league, right? And so I'm, I'm super thrilled for, for Wilfried and, you know, uh, just the way that team played and the way that team rallied around him. And you can see just the impact that he has on his players. Um, and I hope it, it spurs more clubs and ownership groups to, to look at sort of all corners of the earth for where we're going to find good people. Right? Um, because you look at, at the best soccer teams around the world and they are reflective of, of people who come from very different backgrounds. Right. And I don't know why that would apply solely to a player pool. Um, so I think it's a, uh, yeah, a really great moment. It's something I'm very proud of. You know, um, if I'm being honest, we got even fewer biracial uh, general managers and executives than uh, you know pur- purely black and purely white. And so I think that's that's also something you know I'm very proud of, right? Like a, a mixed heritage. And um, yeah, I think it's a really exciting time for the league, and uh, I'm excited about uh, what's to come. Uh, it was looking at your your vision for the galaxy now. Um, you know, how does that differ maybe from the first three years that we've seen uh, under Greg Vanny? Is there going to be a lot of change? Do you have a sort of a different view of how you like to put teams together? No, you know, part of the reason that I came to the galaxy was Greg's vision for you know how he wants to play and what he believes a good roster to be. And you know, there's there's a lot of crossover there because when I first joined the league office in 2014, you know, I took Tim Bezbachenko's role at the league office when he went to go work for Toronto FC. And, and I learned a lot from Tim in that first year. And when I'd go to visit, uh, you know, Toronto, uh, you know, there was this academy, you know, Ryan Nielsen was the first in coach, but then there was this academy director, Greg Vanny, who was really, um, you know, kind of attached to the, at the hip with, with Tim. And so I got to spend a, a good chunk of time in that weekend up in Toronto with, uh, not just Tim, but also Greg. And then, God, I want to say fast forward to 2019, um, you know, at, at my old place, we had a supporter shield winning team and we were kind of crushing everybody and we got absolutely handled by Toronto. Right. I, I'll, I'll never forget. I mean, we, we thought we were really hot stuff and they, um, they really bodied us. And, you know, it, it's, again, it's sort of five, six years later, you're like, Hey, here's this guy again. Um, whose squad has just put together probably the most comprehensive performance against us that, that we've seen. Um, 
And then, you know, in this off season, when you're sitting back and looking at what my options kind of were and, you know, Greg's vision and the way he, um, you know, saw, you know, the way he sees the game, the way he thought about players, quite frankly, the, the work that he did, you know, and I don't think this gets enough credit, right? I mean, if you think about where the galaxy were when, when he kind of took over and that's, and it's, it's almost like that, you know, the, the 10% of the iceberg is what we see, but the 90% under the surface is sort of what nobody sees, but, you know, building a, a dedicated video room, right? So the team can have a place to meet, um, you know, before training and talk tactics and watch video, um, you know, streamlining, streamlining the offices downstairs, you know, just trying to bring in um, and expand, you know, whether it's the, uh, you know, high performance, you know, sports science departments, if it's, you know, building out a cognitive department infrastructure. I mean, he was really monumental in doing a whole lot of stuff that, that people sort of on the sidelines don't really get to see. Right. And so I knew that there was already this groundswell of, of work and effort to put in. And, you know, I have a very um, niche uh, skill set, I think in this league, which is, you know, trying to manage the, the quite frankly, Byzantine rules and, and inscrutable rules of the league. Um, and I was just like, Hey, I think I can help, you know, be a part of what you're trying to do. And, and that was really exciting to me. So um, that's a, a very long winded way of saying that, uh, you know, uh, I am a believer in, in what Greg is trying to do. And, I, and I've seen firsthand, um, you know, how it can have success. Do you think uh, when, when you're looking at the LA Galaxy contracts and you're looking at the roster and by my count, I have 20. I don't know how many you have on your roster, but we'll, we'll go with mine for now. Um, I have 20 players. You have 10 spots basically open. Where? How do you feel the Galaxy are contract-wise? How do you feel their flexibility-wise? Um, obviously, there was a move today with Raheem Edwards and moving him to Montreal. You guys got $400,000 in general allocation money coming back. But when you look at his salary plus that, maybe $700,000 plus swing um, on salary and everything that, that goes with that, how do you feel the Galaxy are sort of contract-wise? And is there flexibility on this stuff? Uh, you know, at the moment, we things are fairly tight. Uh, you know, and, and this time of year is always very fluid, right? Like the the trade window opened up this morning, and we saw a flurry of activity. You know, a lot of these things were kind of pre baked, um, but you know, we had CSO meetings last week in Phoenix, and and guys get to talking around the table, and uh, you know, we'll have the reentry draft later this week. Um, then your know, free agency opens up, and so there's a lot of moving parts, um, and so you know what that kind of means in, in practice is that you might think, Hey, this is, this is what we we've got, or we're, we're really set here or we're really stretched thin here. And all of a sudden tomorrow, you know, the phone rings and it's a, a conversation that you didn't think you might be having. Right. And, and you have to be kind of willing to adjust. And so I think, you know, we have a lot of good pieces um, on our roster. I think we've got some room to add the the kind of big ticket items that are your big ticket players that I, I think we need to fill out the, the depth chart. But, um, you know, we, we have to evaluate all potential options. And, and you, again, you never really know what's going to come up until, until that phone rings. Right. Kevin, do you want to jump in or should I just keep just no, hammering? No, I, I got, I got one question. You had told me when you first came over um, that you envisioned the idea of maybe trying to find some young, exciting young players in, in maybe untapped markets, maybe not just go back to the sort of the European well, but look for other places. You know, at your old club, LAFC, has had success going to Colombia, you know, at Tuesta and Arango and, and going to, 
you know, uh, Uruguay, Diego Rossi. You look at Seattle, they went to, you know, Peru and got Rui Diaz. I'm wondering, do you have some maybe untapped markets that you're looking at places that you think players in MLS have traditionally not come out of that you would like to go try to find some players? Yeah, it's it's tough for me to call like Colombia an untapped market, you know, or Uruguay an untapped market. Not a ton of the players come to, have come to LA, uh, 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 you know, MLS, especially to the Galaxy. It seems like the Galaxy's traditional uh, uh, place they've gone has been Europe, it, it, whether it's France or England or wherever. They're, it, you know, until until uh, Guillermo Barrascolotto came in, they seemed to to ignore Latin America to a large extent. And the rest of the league was going and getting young players there. Um, you, you know, as you said, the, the whole world is out there. We can go get players from anywhere. It's an international game. Yeah, I, I think I'll, I'll kind of answer it in uh, in two parts, right? One, I think the most important thing, oh, you know, maybe three parts. The <laughs> history of this league is such that you really have to get your DPs right. Um, I don't know that there's been a hyper-successful team whether that's Supporter Shield winner or MLS Cup winner, that hasn't had, you know, real contributions from its designated players, right? So I think that's that's kind of the golden rule of MLS. Um, you know, and then the second piece of that is you, you kind of have to have your DPs on the field as much as possible to maximize them, right? Um, and and with that, you know, you, you kind of – younger players are, are a much better bet to have um, – to, to be on the field and to be available. And our league does present unique challenges, right? Between the summer schedule, um, you know, the amount of travel. I'm not sure if you've ever seen when they, they overlay the map of the U S and, and MLS travel over Europe. Right. And when you go from LA to play Orlando, for example, it's like flying from, from Barcelona to Northwestern Iraq. Right. <laughs> um, it's, it's hard. Right. And now we've got leagues cup and that's, you know, um, that, that sort of squeezes games out into the kind of the first part and the, and the latter part of the, uh, of the calendar. Right. So you have these, you know, you, you play through the summer, you play through the heat. Um, you know, I'll never forget when uh, we went to Nashville with uh, Giorgio Chiellini and Gareth Bale and they walked onto the field and it was probably about five o'clock, but they were, they were just like, this is insane. Why would you play in this? Right. And it was probably 90 degrees and 70% humidity. And they were like, this is, this is gross. Um, it's, it's a different league. It's really physically taxing, um, in a lot of different ways. And so I think you kind of put yourself in a, a really good position if you have, um, you know, guys who are closer to their prime or, or in their prime available. And then, you know, with that, my, it's kind of a, a, a personal thought on it, but my general sort of rule of thumb is for those in, in their prime, right. The, the closer you are to London, kind of the, the less likely it is that you're going to want to move to MLS, um, you know, because the, the the most money is in Europe, the the best clubs are in Europe, the biggest games, you know, um, with all due respect to, to Conca Champions or the Asian Champions League, you know, UEFA Champions League is, is the gold standard. So you're, you're probably going to have a hard time trying to get younger players, you know, in the, in the top flights of Europe. And so, uh, you know, different markets in other parts of the world are, are sort of naturally, I wouldn't say more attractive, but more viable, right? If you're kind of looking to hit, um, you know, that kind of trifecta of DPs who can be on the field and are realistic options. 
All right, it's uh, it's my turn. I got I got rumors to ask you about, so we'll just we can go yes, no, however you want to answer them. Um, but I want to at least clear the air on some of these if we can. Uh, okay. All right, and again, you you tell me what you uh, what you can. My, my spider sense is tingling right now. I know, I know, I know, I know. You're already excited about this part. Uh, Chucky Lozano was rumored to the LA Galaxy. Any truth behind that? Uh, it is true that he was rumored to the galaxy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and would you see him joining uh, joining us here soon? I would be very surprised if uh, PSV Eindhoven spent the money that they did um, with the thought that they would move him somewhere else. Excellent. All right. Uh, Murata was uh, was again rumored to the LA Galaxy. Should we expecting him in the uh, in, in the Shield here soon? No. You know, Alvaro was. Uh, you know. There was sort of mutual interest at some point, and and again, when you when you look at a player of his stature, um, yeah, you have to take uh, a meeting, right? Or you have to kind of explore that and and what that could mean to have a guy who's been productive um, for such a long time at, at so many top clubs and is part of such a you know massive uh, national team setup. Yep, absolutely. Uh, Alexandre Lacazette. Uh, yeah, we're just we're really replaying the hits of Reddit from from last month. <laughs> yes, yes uh, we are. Yes, we are. Yeah, similar. You know, again, similar type of situation where when it, you know goals are probably the most valuable thing that any one player can bring. Right? If you look right. at the the math historically across leagues, every goal that you score is worth about a point in the standings. And so, um, you know, a proven goal scorer like that, um, you sort of have to do your due diligence. Okay. Very, very good. Appreciate that. Uh, how about how about a recent one then? If we if we you know those ones were for like you said over the last you know thirty days something like that. Uh, this one over the weekend, uh, Miki Yamane, Japanese twenty nine year old right back. Uh, any interest in in him from the LA Galaxy? Uh, yeah, definitely. You know Miki uh, and Maya Yoshida know each other very well. Um, you know with uh, Lucas Caligari. Uh, suffering an injury, you know, we weren't able to exercise his permanent transfer option, which leaves us uh, with a pretty sizable hole at right back. And then, you know, Kelvin Leardom coming out of contract. Um, so, you know, Miki is a guy that, uh, you know, we have had conversations. You know, I went over uh, to watch him this past weekend in Tokyo in the Emperor's Cup final. Um, so not uh, done by any means, but um, I would say there's probably some fire beneath that smoke. Very good. Any jet lag from from going to Japan and back? Honestly, I was I spent more time in the air than I did in in Tokyo. <laughs> right. uh, so uh, yeah, and it's it's actually a little bit easier to get there. The last time I went to Tokyo was from New York, and so that's a whole different proposition. Gotcha. Um, you you talked about when I asked you about Colombia, you talked about that's not really an untapped market. Um, we could talk about that whether it has been for MLS or not. Juan Pablo and Hell and others have played here, but there's only been twelve Japanese. Is, is, might this be one of those places you're talking about where maybe you would go in and because there isn't a history of a lot of scouting there that that maybe you might find somebody there that's very valuable that might have been overlooked by other teams in the league or, or weren't on their radar? Listen, with, with the caveat that I love me some me, right, to quote Terrell Owens, <laughs> um, and, and it may be untapped by sort of MLS. If you look at some of the top clubs in Europe, I mean, they are – Rating, I shouldn't say rating. They are having a ton of success, um, you know, bringing players out of Japan, right? I mean, you look at, uh, you know, Celtic and Scotland. They've got two fantastic players. Um, you know, Brighton. I mean, like they are. They're sort of everywhere. So Europe is uh, way ahead of the game 
or, or way beyond MLS with respect to the Japanese market. I think it's a, a great market for players. I think their development system is fantastic. You know, they, uh, in a lot of ways, they've found a great uh, way of kind of combining the university, like using college as a, as a player development tool um, in a way that, quite frankly, we haven't been able to here in the States. And so I think that, um, you know, you get players who are just a little more polished, maybe a little older when they make their first move, but there's, um, you know, a tremendous talent pool, uh, you know, tremendous infrastructure and player development there. And, uh, you know, you just, you're getting players who really are committed and, and organized and, and disciplined, you know, not to sort of paint with a broad brush, but they're, um, you know, when you look at that player development system and the way they have figured it out as a nation, um, you know, it's it's very sort of understandable that uh, top players are coming out. But but I don't think, um, you know, there's a difference between being kind of best in class in MLS with respect to kind of scouting them in, in Japan and, and being best in class in the world, right? And, and we are a good shout behind the, the best clubs in that regard. Well, let me, I know we're coming kind of close to the end of your time, but Joshua, let me ask one more, yeah, more quick question. Um, we, we When you talk about those rumors, as you said, you know, the best hits of Reddit and this is something I think Josh and I sort of have come to accept with the Galaxy is that any player that's ever going to, you know, leave his club is always rumored to be coming to the Galaxy. And I think that that's that's due to the part that a lot of uh, agents and, and and fans in Europe know the Galaxy. I mean, that's their the MLS club that they know. And so if you're trying to plant a rumor, you say the Galaxy. But I'm wondering, you hear all these rumors about players coming and, uh, that you're probably not really interested in or haven't talked to. Does that noise create problems for you? Because I'm thinking the fans look at that and say, oh, we're getting Chucky Lozano. This is so awesome. And then he doesn't come. And, and then there's a is there a disappointment factor? Did you have to keep your head down and just ignore that? And are you worried that maybe the fans are going to say, you didn't get Chucky Lozano. You failed when, in fact, you were never really, never really even talking to him. You know, I'm probably a little more low-key online than I need to be. Um, <laughs> but, you know, one one thing you see is, like, if it's, hey, Chuki Lozano, you get 50% of people being like, you know, hell yeah, it's Chuki, let's go. And you get 50% of people being like, this is just the Galaxy playing the hits, right? Mexican superstar. And, and you know, um, you could do that with Barata, right? You could do that with Lacazette. It's, it's, um, it's kind of, you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, and then everybody sees what they want to see. And so... Um, you know, I, I, I don't think uh, you, you can kind of get pulled in any one direction by the conversation because it's always sort of split 50-50 between people who think it's great and people who think it's terrible. And and honestly, if, if, I'm, you know, if we're doing our job right um, and 50% of people are upset with the move, like, I think that's, you're doing okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not, not wrong. Not, there's, it's, you're trying to thread the needle there. That's a, that's a pretty hard one to do. Um I'll close up, and I have—I think I have a couple more tough ones. We'll close on an easy one. Uh, Billy Sharp has come out in the media and talked about Greg Vanny sort of going dark on him, or, or you know, maybe didn't, maybe promised him that he was supposed to say, and then Billy Sharp ends up uh, not coming back to the Galaxy. Um, was that a change in vision for between you and Greg for Sharp? Are are you the guy who was supposed to call uh, Billy Sharp? How how did that? How do you see that from your side? I'm sorry. This is the easy question. Yeah, no, this is no. I said the easy question <laughs> at the end. I said hard questions, then then easy question at the end. Um, listen, there's a lot to the situation, um, you know, and and one of the things I would say is that like it it kind of speaks to how you know, I referenced this earlier, but how different MLS is, right? right. Um, like you know, Billy and Greg met for an hour, um, you know, after the season was over, and and Billy you know kind of 
grab me afterwards. And, and, you know, when you think about what it means to be, um, you know, coming out of contract or, or having an option in MLS and, and with the timing and everything and what that might mean, um, you know, there's the, Hey, like we'd, we'd like to have you back. Um, but we don't know if it'll work, but, but you, you're not going to know if something might work until, you know, four, six, eight weeks down the line. Right. Um, and, you know, in, in Europe, it's very easy to sort of, you get an answer right away. Like, is, is this a yes or a no? Right. And, and here's a little more nuance, right? It's like, well, we may not be able to pick up your option. Um, but to have you back, this is what it would look like. Right. And so I think there's an aspect of it where you know, we certainly could have communicated what the time frame might be. All right. And I think part of the issue is that if, if you don't have that context of, of when somebody's going to know if there's going to be salary space, uh, salary cap space or something like that, you know, you might think, all right, well, I'm going to be back in, you know, I'm going to go away and I'll be back in, in three weeks or four weeks or something like that. And it's like, Hey, like we, because we're not picking up your option and, and you've got a visa, you know, it, it might not be the best idea to, to leave your stuff here um, and, and plan to get it back. Right. So, um, you know, it is something I think we probably could have handled with a little more communication, you know, and, and I, I did reach out to Billy, uh, you know, the day before he left, you know, the night before he left and, and, you know, just said, Hey, listen, man, I, I really want to thank you. Um, you moved your, you moved your family halfway across the world on short notice. You know, I was, I was kind of joking with him. I said, I wish you would have scored a few more goals, right? Maybe he <laughs> keep you. Um, but, uh, you know, his connection with the fan, you know, he was nothing but professional and he came into a club that was in a very difficult moment. Um, and so, you know, I, we all thought it was important that he hear that, um, from somebody at the club, you know, Greg was on a trip in, in England at the time. So, you know, he was really busy. Um, and, and it's also, this is, this is part of the, the reason I think we had a, a split of responsibilities, right? It's really hard to do both jobs, right? You're, you're a head coach and you're, handling these players um, in their end of year sort of technical assessments and, and trying to review the year with them and lay out a technical plan going forward. And you're also wearing the sporting director hat where you've got to deal with contracts and, you know, options and renegotiations and salary cap. And it's, it, they are two all consuming full-time jobs um, that are rolled up into one. And again, it's not like, it's not like Greg just said, Hey, Billy, thanks a lot. See you later. Right. There was a long conversation um, and then I think the, you know, a, a big issue is in the follow-up. Right. Um, but again, it's not like, uh, you know, it was all on Greg or all on myself or there was never a, you know, um, like a, any kind of conversation, but, uh, you know, I, again, I, I do think we could have, uh, done a few things differently in how we communicated. And it's certainly a, you know, what my college coach would call it a teachable moment. Right. So it gives right. us the opportunity to adjust and maybe formalize some things and, and, and remember that, Hey, you could be a, a 15, 20 year veteran, right. Who scored all the goals and then some abroad, but you still don't know how this crazy league works over here. Right. right. And, um, you know, unless you've been here for a long time, it's going to be like nothing you've ever experienced. Right. And, and just having that frame, it's a good reminder that, you know, we, we got to make sure that we educate everybody. Cause when you come to MLS for the first time, even if you're a 20 year vet, you're still a rookie in a lot of ways. Yeah, I, I can see that. I, I think the other follow up is sort of uh, looking at Tyler Boyd. Again, this is part of the hard questions, not the fun question yet. 
Um, but the Tyler Boyd, it, obviously in a interesting situation, just in terms of the contract and MLS and everything else. And uh, I'm sure you've had many conversations uh, with Tyler and, and also just how MLS works. This league makes it difficult to sort of hold on to guys uh, for any amount of time. But where do you guys stand with Tyler Boyd? Is there a chance that uh, that he comes back to the LA Galaxy? Yeah, we are actively working on uh, bringing Tyler back. You know, we're in, in regular communication with his agent. Um, you know, again, it's he he has earned the right to to sort of see what his options might be, right? Within our uh, again crazy framework of a, of a league and its rules. Uh, but uh, you know, we would certainly like to have Tyler back and and are working towards that end. Very good. Uh, all right, so here's my here's my fun question. We'll let you get out of here. Um, because that that jet lag coming back from from I guess east to west, but in the opposite direction. That's weird. It's an international dateline thing that screws me up every time. Yeah, I left on Sunday morning and I got back on Saturday afternoon. Wonderful, wonderful. You time traveled. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah. Um, but uh, what are you most looking forward to this season? Um, what gets you excited? Is it this part of the season that is? Uh, conceptual, a lot of ways, planning, trying to figure and slot guys into different little, you know, areas that you have, trying to sort of plan the vision. Or uh, will you be happiest when you know the first game gets played or the twelfth game gets played? Uh, you know, I think what I'm, I'm most looking forward to is is that first week of preseason, right? When we bring this new group in, you know, we don't have, you know, I think a lot of the weight and baggage that um, we had, you know certainly at the start of last year and I wasn't even here at the start of last year, but you know, if you rewind 12 months ago, there was just a lot going on with the club. And, and, you know, I, I came in March and it was wearing on, on everybody. Right. But I think the chance to just really reset, um, you know, have some new faces, have some familiar faces, um, just getting, you know, and, and kind of coming together as a team, right. Like just getting, getting down to doing the work. I think that's, that's the most exciting part. Right. And, and kind of figuring out, what kind of team we're going to be, what kind of group this is, you know, who's going to be, uh, you know, who are going to be the leaders that step up, who are going to be the guys that, you know, you, you got to make sure you don't fall asleep on the, on the bus or the plane because they're going to mess with you, you know, like, right. like learning about the team, I think is the most exciting part. So this, this part of the off season is, is fun. Um, you know, it's a bit of a high wire act. Um, you know, I've really liked working with, uh, you know, uh, El Tigre Karaski and, and Mikey Stevens and Gordon Kleschen and, and Joe Gisso in the in the front office, right? Like we've got, I think, a really good group and we've done some really good work uh, as far as, you know, identifying targets and, and our plan of attack and getting them in. Um, but, you know, once you get them in, it's like, all right, now we're just, we're kind of all champing at the bit and just waiting to see what it looks like. And so, you know, that, that kind of transition from guys coming in, helping the new guys acclimate, you know, watching the guys who've been here kind of step up a little bit. Um, and then as the actual team comes together on the field and then knowing that, uh, you know, Greg and the coaching staff don't have to worry about uh, touch wood. Right. I mean, the, I'm sure the, the coons out hashtags will, will come by uh, July. Uh, but, you know, we're at least starting, I think, with some better vibes. Right. And that that just goes such a long way. And, and you know, even going behind the scenes a little bit, you know, I was in a meeting today, a budget meeting um, with some different heads across the, you know, the organization. Uh, I think there's some really cool stuff planned for the building in, in 2024, right? Um, you know, some things that will make maybe game presentation feel a little bit fresher, right? Um, have people kind of walking in and say, hey, this 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 feels a little different, right? So, uh, you know, hopefully it, it looks different on the field, um, you know, and kind of more in line with what I think 
uh, you know, Greg's traditional vision vision has been, but I think also in the stands, right? And and right. sort of as you walk around the building and say, hey, like that's new or that's different or, or check that out. Um, and it, I think that speaks to the fact that this is not just um, it's not just an organization that's the first team. It's it's sort of across the entire Galaxy, you know, front office, right? The Galaxy organization. Um, some really cool stuff in the works that, that I'm excited to people, you know, I'm excited to see people see uh, when they walk into the building. If Jovan is Il Tigre, what's your spirit animal? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. We haven't gotten that far yet, right? But uh, there is only we'll one Tigre. We'll work on that. It's certainly Jovan. We'll- yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll workshop work, that we'll for you. That for no, you. Not, yeah. not a problem. Free of charge. Uh, we, we can't we can't force it, right? It's just no. got to come naturally. It, right? it, it, organic. We were going to call your, your... I didn't tell you this yet, but whenever you're on here routinely, we're going to call this segment Cooking with Koontz. Um, okay. so, so that's something that I think has been branded already. The chef. The chef. Call him the chef. Yeah, we'll call, we'll call you the chef yeah. from here, here from now on, I guess. Um, the whole deal. <laughs> I will say, uh, good for you. Uh, the, the, the price of air, of Avgas is actually pretty high right now. So the chance of them getting an airplane by, by July and having your name with Koontz out on it is probably pretty low right now, unless they're already starting to save. So, uh, you have Listen, that. I have learned, I have, I have learned not to underestimate the passion of galaxy fans. Right? So, uh... <laughs> If, Very if they can perceive it, if they can perceive it, they can achieve it. That's absolutely 100% true. And, uh, well, we appreciate you coming on. We appreciate you taking the time. I'm sure we'll have you back on again. But uh, as for now, we'll let you uh, continue cooking, as they've been saying on the Internet. Yeah. So uh, Enjoy that birthday party. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> thanks, gentlemen. Thanks for having me on. All right. Thanks, Will. There you go. All right, happy holidays. Same, same to you. Same to you. There he goes. Uh, General Manager, Mr. Will Kuntz, everybody. Congratulations. There we go. So, by the way. Uh, general manager for the LA Galaxy comes on preseason, talks to us for like thirty something minutes about the. Which supposed Galaxy. to be on? We told him ten to fifteen. Actually, I told him fifteen to twenty. So, but okay, I also yeah. I was not involved in the negotiations. Uh, if, if he if he was going to tell me if it was going too long, I I figured we were sort of there. So, uh, first of all, everybody in the comments, calm down. Good <laughs> lord, you guys act like I never done an interview before. You know, geez, you know, this is why I like doing the interview with Robbie Keane in the referee's locker room. There wasn't anybody there telling me what questions to ask. I'm, I'm usually OK. You know, Kevin will work on. But, you know, me, I'm OK. So um, but no, uh, I hope you appreciated sort of the candor. Uh, I, I'm not sure you get that with a lot of MLS executives. Um, I can tell you with my time with the LA Galaxy, it's not common. I think uh, Dennis DeClose was the last one who even approached that, but uh, I'm not sure that uh, maybe it was, you know, the 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 different sort of European uh, uh, ways that uh, that Dennis DeClose had uh, that was sort of a little bit more. It seemed like more distant, but with Will, uh, you know, it's familiar, and and I hope he's. Uh, I, I hope you got all that. I mean there's basically all the rumors out there either got confirmed or smashed. If you were paying attention, uh, certainly the, the Miki, is it Miki? Miki. I think it's Miki. Miki Yamane, uh, seems like it has, uh, some real heat to it. And Tyler Boyd, you got your update on Tyler Boyd, which is good. By the way, I have a whole list of questions over here. So everybody go and ask about Tyler Boyd, ask about Tyler. It was in my list of questions the whole time. So, um, hopefully we got you some answers there and, uh, just an interesting guy, the way that he's going to go about this. Kevin, it has to be weird though, right? He, he was, he was reporting to his boss who was Greg Vanny and now his boss is reporting to him. And 
like I'd love to get Greg Vanny on and him being candid and he'd be like, maybe he's thank God somebody is here to take away all of this stuff that I saw why all I have to do is focus on coaching the team. Maybe he's that, or maybe he's like, I have to report to this guy that I recruited over because he was, he was a good guy. I, I don't know. It just, it well, feels like there should be some conflict. And if not, then there's way more mature people than me. Well, what I've always heard from Will is that it, whether he was below or above Greg on, on the, on the, you know, the diagram you office diagram that he felt they had a very collegial uh, working relationship and they it was it you know they worked together there wasn't uh, any the, this way we're going to do it but one thing the galaxy have needed for a long time and you go back to the ziggy schmidt days and curlinoffel days it, since bruce left is there was no place where the buck ever stopped it didn't seem greg vanny got some of that done but there wasn't one person making the final decision and i think the restructuring of the front office since last May has really helped in that. I think Will is going to be that guy on the player side, but I think as long as he and Greg have the same vision, that's really not going to be a problem. Um, one thing I really, I mean, it, that that's always come across with Will, but I, I hope the, the listeners got to pick up on this too. Extremely, extremely, extremely intelligent guy. Um, so, knows what he's talking about. So, so like, I'm a rules nerd, but that dude's a rules nerd. Like I, well, he wrote he wrote a lot of the rules. He did, he did. So he yeah, gets he, wrote a lot of, he gets some of those. Yes, but he he's extremely intelligent, extremely well spoken. Those are a lot of times two ex, ex, mutually exclusive things. You know, you know things, but you can't express them. Will knows it. He can express it. And you heard the way that he did not. We did not tell him any of the questions we we're going to ask. He didn't prepare, but his answers were like right on the mark. And, and that's the kind of guy that you want going into discussions with agents and players and other general managers, they're not going to be able to snow him. You know, it comes across very clearly that he knows what he's talking about. He knows the history. I mean, Will's a, pr- a pretty young guy um, and he's, he hasn't spent his whole life in soccer or in MLS. And yet here he is throwing out names of former general managers talking about the history of Colombians in MLS, how many Japanese players are in Europe. Um, you know, th- if he's sitting down negotiating with you mm-hmm. and he throws a couple of those things out, I think right. Your first thought is I'm, I'm not going to be able to snow this guy. Um, we're going to have to do this straight up. Um, just a super intelligent guy. Yeah. Logan, by the way, says, does will have a ghost team that every galaxy coach always asks for the ghost teams? I can confirm ghost teams, not only ghost team, ghost teams, multiple levels, multiple salary ranges. When you need somebody at this range, you go to this ghost team, you go, it's X number of players deep that stuff has been in development for a while now. And I, I feel fairly confident in telling you that they have the ghost teams that are there. Um, and then of course, feel the berm always asks are the ghost teams in the room with us right now. And I responded with, I see dead people. So, uh, we have, we have a little, uh, what was it? Was that the sixth sense? Is that what it was? Or the, or the fifth sense? How many senses are there? Was it the eighth sense? I can never remember that. That movie always, did you know that, did you know that he was dead the whole time in that movie, Kevin, did you pick up that right away or did you not get it till the end? Like me? I, I I got it in the closing credits. Okay. <laughs> did you, your wife had to explain it to you? Is what you? I stuck around for those. You know, I stuck around for the funny outtakes, and that's when I figured it out. Very good. Very good. Well, um, let's get to some news. Uh, obviously, we're talking about GM, and, and I think that's a conversation that's going to continue uh, through multiple shows here. Um, and so we'll 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 continue down that road. But there was some other news as well. The LA Galaxy uh, announced the schedule for the Coachella Valley Invitational. In fact, the full schedule of everything that was going on. Uh, 
there. And so I want to tell you this time there's four games at, I think there were three games last year. There's four games for the LA Galaxy against Charlotte on the 7th of, uh, of February, uh, the 11th of February, it's Austin FC, the 14th of February, it's against New York City FC, and then the 17th of, Fe- of February is New York Red Bulls. Good news is there are two weekends, two different weekends that you can go to the Coachella Valley Invitational, um, and you can go there to watch the LA Galaxy play. This is something I'm going to tell you. If you listen to my voice, this is not, they did not pay me to say this. I've just been there now multiple times and I'm telling you, do not miss this. Get your tickets. As a matter of fact, if you'd like to spend your, spend the money on the VIP tickets because the interactions you're going to get with the players is very much reminiscent of spring training, Kevin, if you've, if you've been around it, which is you're closer, there's less people, it's more intimate. These guys are happy to be back in training and all that fun stuff. So you get an interaction that you're not going to get on any other time. So as I've said, they're not paying me to say this, although if they did pay me, I would still say the same thing, which probably means they're not going to pay me um, is, is basically that this is an excellent tournament. The amount of teams that are there this year um, have increased. The amount of games that we'll be playing have increased. Um, so please uh, get out there because I think it's a it's a really fun time. Yes. Interesting thing on that schedule, only one Western Conference team, which I think is smart, by the way. You're going to play those guys during the season. You don't want them to see too much of you, and you, and the other teams don't want you to see too much of them. So um, obviously that was sm- smart scheduling. By the way, a couple other calendar items in case you didn't already have this. December 20th is when the full season schedules are yep. supposed to be released by MLS. And training camp apparently will open in mid-January. Uh, and apparently they're looking to – this hasn't been announced yet. Obviously it will be on December 20th. Probably late February, regular season start. I mean, as it was, it, it, well, yeah, I was going to say it sort of figures um, that. But, that's, but but it really didn't start here until March because of the rain out. Remember the absolute, opening game at the Rose Bowl. Oh, by the way, looks like another Rose Bowl game. Looks like another. Uh, this is what I'm hearing. We'll know on the 20th. Uh, another Rose Bowl game, and it looks like this will be another Galaxy game. If you remember when this thing happened, the schedule was going to be until San Diego comes into the league in 2025. There was going to be this uh, unbalanced schedule. And LAFC and the Galaxy were going to play each other three times. The first time uh, was last year, and they said, "Okay, the third game we're going to take it to a different venue. You know, the off the the the, the one at home, one on right. the road at at, B, at BMO, and then one stray game somewhere." And they said the Rose Bowl. Well, LAFC was supposed to get it next year, and they were talking about taking it to the Coliseum or maybe SoFi. Right. I'm hearing that game will go back to the Rose Bowl, and that's because eighty-two thousand people showed up last year right. or this this season. Um, showed up this year for that game, and so they want to take it back again. And they think they can do better than eighty-two thousand. Uh, that's we'll know that for sure on December twentieth. Uh, that's what I'm hearing. Have you have you happen. heard anything? And I I haven't. So and I actually haven't asked either. I should probably ask. Are we thinking Miami at at Dignity Health Sports Park with Messi? That I don't know. He did not come here. Uh, he did come to BMO. He didn't come here last year. I think the Galaxy went to Miami. Right. I believe they, they did. Miami? I believe yeah. I can't remember though. It's it's a long ways off. They they have played them in recent years in Miami, so it would figure that sort of Miami might be headed out in this direction. So, however, comma yes. Um, when we talk about uh, Commissioner Garber's uh, state of the league, dress, Let, we let's talk about, talk that, about that. Please, please okay. transition. Well, what to I was going to say is is he uh, he they are not going to break for Copa America. Uh, Copa America, as you know, coming sixteen teams, uh, ten South American teams are. Yes, 10 South American teams, six CONCACAF teams will play a th- month-long tournament in, in the summer, June, July. Um, MLS will not break for that. So that means Messi, who plays uh, for Argentina, will likely be gone for the entire tournament. 
gone for training camp before that, gone for rest after that. So he'll miss six weeks. So if that game with Inter Miami is in Carson during Copa America, right. Messi won't be here. Okay. Well, well, I mean, we we shall see, right? Um, well, talk talk about this though. There was big news. One is that we've been telling you for a while. I always like to. Uh, I always like to take victory laps. Eric reminded me, uh, the hammer, uh, which I need to do a Thursday show here eventually. Uh, I just haven't, and I'm not going to do it this week. Um, is that he reminded me that we have a little victory lap to take. And one of our victory laps is we were saying whenever Will Koontz came over, it seems almost like he should be general manager eventually. And then that was said on this show. Um, not a hard call, not a hard call, but Hey, (laughs) Kevin, you know, if it's if if Take they your victory, if they groove the fastball, you know, three one. OK, and you were swinging with green light and you hit it over the fence. You tried around the bases all the same. You know, whether or not you had to dig a curveball out next time to launch one over the fence, the fastball comes in, they groove it. You hit it. Take your victory lap around. You get the, it still counts. Um, so that but we were also talking about fourth designated player and Don Garber had some stuff to say about the fourth designated player. Yeah. No fourth designated player. And in fact, one of the things a lot of coaches, Steve Torrenolo is at the uh, top of this list. His team played 53 games in 42 weeks this year. And he has a right to complain about roster uh, building here in MLS and, and size of rosters and monies. Steve Torrenolo said, we cannot continue to play this long of a schedule with the roster the way it is. Something has to give. There has to be another DP. There has to be more spending for the middle of the roster, more allocation money, larger rosters, whatever it is. And that led to a lot of speculation that I bought into, by the way, as did others, that there would be a fourth designated player and probably some other roster moves. Don Garber said definitively there will be no fourth designated player. Correct. Um, and that's what you and a lot of other people had been speculating. Will actually, uh, Will Kuntz actually told me about two months ago, tried to wave me off of this fourth designated player. And I've got used to Galaxy front office people, um, you know, the, not exactly being straightforward with it. I have to get used to Will. Dro- um, dro- so you drove right through that stop sign and got the ticket. That's what happened. You, yes, you, that, you, you didn't, I, I, you didn't yes. stop. So um, Will was trying to tell me, but uh, I didn't listen. So anyway, no fourth as any player. Uh, Commissioner Garber did say that there will be some exciting news coming out of the board and governor's meeting on Wednesday regarding uh, roster building. I don't really think it's going to be a big, I think it's going to be it's U- very nuanced. It's, it's going to be U22 stuff. That's That's been my guess. I think that they're going to spin that off. I think that, so, go ahead. Somebody even, uh, some people were even suggesting it's even less than that. It could be more like uh, MLS next stuff. It could be uh, some of the salary structure for the guys, uh, you know, after the one through 20 roster spots. It could be something like in another Adidas uh generation adidas thing it, it could be some minutia that, and 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 i'm believing you know after i screwed up the fourth dp i'm kind of right. believing this and the reason i believe that is because if it was actually something that don garber thought was big he would have touted it in his speech because he really didn't have there was a lot of stuff he talked about but it was all last year's stuff it was like messi came to our league messi made our league uh famous around the world he talked about uh he and apple you know mls and apple both said that the the apple deal uh, which was 10 years, 20, uh, $2.5 billion. It, it, it exceeded expectations for both Apple and MLS. A number of uh, um, Inter-Miami games drew more than a, thousand, a million viewers. Right. He talked about that. But he made a point of, not, of saying, trying to tramp down expectations about what might go on with the rosters. I thought maybe there'd be more allocation money as well. Doesn't seem like that's going to happen. There will be some announcements coming out Wednesday from the Board of Governors meeting in New York. I don't expect them to be earth changing. I think people like Steve Trinola are going to be disappointed. And here's the deal that, that when you look at that Apple deal, so it's 2.5 billion for 10 years or 250 million 
a season. There are 29 teams in the league. The, the league is going to take its cut of that. But if you divide that money evenly, it's $8.62 million for each team. Right. That's more than they're allowed to spend on the salary cap now. They have some money to spend on allocation money. They have some money to spend on another DP or U22 initiative. They have money to spend to build these rosters out. And they're going to need to do that if they're going to continue to play 50 games a year. So I'm a little disappointed that MLS didn't do a little bit more. Again, Garber talked about attendance, a record, almost 12 million when you count the the playoffs. Um, Again, the TV money, the viewership is high. Eyeballs all over the world because of Messi. Um, This is a chance for MLS to do something. Uh, and and try to make the league a little bit better and build those rosters out and share the the money came into the league because of the players right and I think you need to share that money with the players right well there is some some revenue sharing in the the current CBA if I remember correctly and it's convoluted but it's there it's not as convoluted as as Otani deferring six hundred and eighty million of a seven hundred million dollar deal until yeah, the final you know what? year. I, I went and told my wife when I read that I, we got to start a GoFundMe page for this guy how is he going to get by. On, on two, $2 million, million a year. That's well, plus the fifty million he makes in sponsorships in Japan. I was going to say, how, how can you expect a guy to live on two million dollars a can, year? Can the LA Galaxy get into this deferred salary? Who who can they? You know, can they can they get uh, Neymar and just defer that salary for the next twenty years or something like that? I just I just want to know how it's supposed to work. Um, no, interesting stuff. Yeah, again, my my at least in my conversations, I think there is at least some momentum behind doing something with the U22s. Currently, in order to have three U22s, you either have to have you can have two senior DPs, but you need either need to have a young designated player or you need to have somebody who has who's like tamable, sort of a Ricky Pooge. Now, I expect that Ricky Pooge's contract with his performance incentives and everything to go up to close to $3 million this year. So he's going to be a full designated player, right? And the galaxy have two designated player spots. What we're hearing is, um, you know, wingers are sort of the focus here. And I think that, uh, that the galaxy, uh, and, and Will Kuntz, um, you know, are sort of seem to be behind, uh, Dan Jovalich as, as possibly that starter with, you know, two DP wingers, but that also throws into the Diego Fagundes and Tyler Boyd are no longer starters in that particular case, or you have a DP winger who can also play striker. And so you can sort of rotate in and out of all these different spots. That seems to be the way it's going. But if you're going to keep all three U22s, then under current rules, you need a young designated player um, or tamable DP. And that's not going to be Ricky. So that means you're going out to get one full senior DP and then possibly uh, a young designated player. If those rules get changed, which is, I think, the hope, certainly for some people, is that they're going to uncouple the three U22s from the designated players and basically say, you get three U22s, you get to buy it. They're just there. You can have them. If you want three U22s, go out and sign three U22s. And remember, the big deal with the U22s are that it's unlimited acquisition costs. So you can go out, spend a lot of money on a transfer fee, and that does not hit the salary cap. And the salary cap is held under, uh, you know, to a, I think, one hundred fifty or $250,000. I'd have to go back and, and look at it. But it's basically held to one hundred fifty dollars or $250,000 regardless of the salary. The salary just has to be under, I think, the the TAM limit um, is, is sort of what those are. It might even be the full budget charge, which is the six hundred and fifty something thousand dollars that's in there. So if you uncouple that, that opens up a lot of freedom for somebody like the L.A. Galaxy, who no longer have to worry about going out, getting a young DP in order to keep the three U22s. Um, It gives flexibility. And I think that's enough flexibility that people are sort of like, well, then I'll go out and get three U22s now, which would help in roster building and everything else. Right. Well, that's what the league wants. That's where the league's going. And that's probably a lot of the thinking behind not giving the fourth DP and as you said, probably expanding the U22 program, the idea of getting teams away. Although Don Garber is touting 
Inter Miami going out and getting a 36-year-old Argentine, what they really want to do is have you get the younger players, the U22 players, the exciting players that are going to make the league better. I, I think one thing with the competitions that are continue to grow with the Mexican League, with Liga Amec, he's, uh, it's League's Cup, uh, you know, the CONCACAF uh, uh, Champions Cup now, it's it's been renamed. Some of the other tournaments, Campeones Cup, with the Mexican teams is, you know, you look at the Mexican teams and, and at the top level, USDPs and the top players on Liga MX teams are pretty equal. It, it's it's sort of a standoff, you know, that DPs are here and the best players there are about equal. It's when those teams start looking at the middle of the right. of their lineup or when they start going to the bench. The Mexican leagues it, it's deeper. It's just, it just is. The spending is there. The teams are deeper. So when you're looking at the 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 ninth or tenth uh, player in your starting lineup, or certainly the first three or four guys you bring up the bench, the Liga MX players are always better, and that's why Liga MX wins all those competitions. Right. If MLS wants to continue to get its hat handed to it every year, fine. Just let's keep it the same. But if they want to compete. They're going to have to build out the bottom of that roster, not the DPs. Those guys are fine. Right. It's the 13th, 14th, 15th player on the team um, where they fall behind Liga MX. And I, and I think the more they play with Mexico, I think the more momentum is going to build to come up with some mechanism to build out the middle of that roster. Yeah, and and that's sort of where the focus is. Um, just to go back to the rumor uh and uh, the rumor tracker is up on Corner of the Galaxy, by the way. Uh, it is up. It is functioning. Uh, you will find the Miki Yamane rumor on there. 29-year-old right back from Kawasaki, uh, currently at four stars and certainly talking uh, with Will Coots today. What does that say right there? It's, I, I have no idea. No, I, it's, okay. I, I guess. I can hit uh, translate, though, and it'll bring it up. But uh, I figured I'd just show the original rumor that I saw there. Um, but basically sources indicate that as Will Coontz said tonight, um, that, uh, you know, there's, there's some fire there. So we'll see if that ends up getting across the line, but currently at four stars, uh, this is a guy who has played on the national team, has 16 caps, um, hasn't played, I think since 2022 though. So a, a little bit on there, he's 29 years old, right back. Uh, if you're looking at the LA galaxy and Caligari and certainly the Caligari discussion could go on with Will Coontz. Like if you wanted to bring him back on the show right now, we could talk about Caligari for the next 20 or 30 minutes. I'm sure. Uh, but with Caligari gone, with Leerdam gone, the LA Galaxy have no right back. Raheem Edwards goes. Uh, the Galaxy are left with Aude right now, and Cuevas, I believe, is the only outside backs for the LA Galaxy. So this is a position of need for the LA Galaxy, 29-year-old. Uh, if you look at uh, his injury history, it says none, by the way. So you're looking at the, the player profile that the LA Galaxy have gone after. This is somebody who uh, can come in, fill need, fill a role. Uh, seems like a very solid player. You look at that 234 games, basically, in across a couple different levels of uh, the Japanese league since 2016, uh, 14 total goals, 28 assists. Uh, you know, he seems like a solid defender from the highlights that I've watched. Uh, so the LA Galaxy have targeted this profile, uh, a guy who plays consistently. I think they've played uh, out of 34 games. Uh, he played in 33, and I think one of those they didn't play in was like a lower-level game or something like that, where it was like one of the, the cup games that, that he didn't play in. So uh, this is real. The rumor tracker calls it as real. This is your first real rumor of the 2024 season, uh, and you can track that on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Um, Kevin, let's talk about Raheem Edwards, though, because maybe a little bit of surprise, but maybe not a surprise, right? This is this is not one where I sit there and go, well, I am shocked, right? But I also wasn't sh shocked about Billy Sharp when you do the math and sort of how that sits. Um, but if you're going to make Dayon Jovalich your starter, uh, then maybe Billy Sharp as a backup might work. And I, I'm sorry, let's go back to Billy Sharp for a second, Kevin. Was If you were reading between the lines with what Will was saying, is there a possibility that Billy Sharp can come back to the LA Galaxy? Is, or do you think that ship has sailed? 
I think that ship has sailed, but okay. but certainly yeah. I will. Again, we talk about Smarty. He's not closing any doors, especially not on this show. Yeah. Um, you, because you never know. I mean, it's, it's the first time you say we're not talking to the guy again. We hate him, and then he calls up and says, "Hey, I'll come play for free." My wife wants to live in L.A. Yeah. What do you do then? Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, you know, uh, it, playing for free isn't allowed in Major League Soccer. So so you have to pay him something. But yes, I, I know what you mean. Um, and I think that, you know, there's still there's to me, it seems like Will was talking about the flexibility that was sort of around, but not knowing really whether or not you're going to be able to bring a guy like him back with the roster flexibility. And so right now, the right thing to do is to waive the option to not pick it up, because if you pick up the option, you're locked into it. Right. So uh, but anyway, he talks about and you heard him. He said, you know, that they feels like they're pretty hard up against the cap in, in a lot of ways. This move today, Raheem Edwards going to Montreal for four hundred thousand dollars in general allocation money. That's twenty twenty four general allocation money. If you add in Raheem's salary, uh, anywhere between seven hundred and seven hundred fifty thousand dollars have been cleared by moving Raheem Edwards. So not only do you get the four hundred thousand dollars of general allocation money, but you also get to clear the salary. So technically speaking, if you're going like for like, you were going to go out and buy a defender from Japan, um, and you said, "Hey, I, we have to pay him about seven hundred thousand dollars." Well, the move for Raheem Edwards just made you be able to pay for a guy like uh, Yamane, right? So they, the other side, right? It's, yeah, it's the, other side, the other position, side, the other side. Yeah, yeah uh, Yamane's right back, uh, Raheem's left back, but the LA Galaxy now basically saying, and maybe this is Will Koontz, again, a question we could have asked if we had more time was talking about Aude. If you move Raheem Edwards, are you happy that Aude is going to be your starter? That's the question that comes into for, for this season, right? Is Aude going to be a starter? Are you going to go get a more experienced left back that starts in front of him? I think Aude's biggest downfall this year was sort of his just physical conditioning, and that kid is young. I mean, putting him in all the games, all the minutes, asking him to run up and down. He needs to be smarter with how he runs and when he runs. I think that's a learning process for him. He's still a little raw, but overall, he has all of the attributes that I think you really want from the left back. Um, you know, he has the technical ability. I think he has the defensive ability. It's really about conditioning for him. And I feel like if he can get that down, then you're looking at a guy who very well could start, you know, 30 plus games for the LA well, Galaxy next year. One thing that's missing though is Caligari was Caligari was a much more of a offensive minded outside back than the Galaxy have now. But so he was, but he was very they the way they play or they go. He was very go good ahead. defensively. That's what I was going to say. Caligari was unfortunately he was a perfectly rounded player. You have the guy who's able to get forward and be one of the best defensive. Play. He was named the defender of the year for the LA Galaxy this year. Yeah. With, with, you know, with reason. But another thing about Raheem Edwards, and I don't know how much this figured into it, whether it was just something they threw in the press release because it sounded good. But, you know, he's Canadian. He He's from Toronto, and they sent him back to Montreal, and they made a point of he he is going home, and this is a good thing for him. I, I, I never really heard him talk a lot like he was pining for Canada. But, uh, you know, maybe it was something that he wanted as well, or at least was open to going back home. It, it sounded like that. If you uh, if you read uh, Raheem Edwards went out uh, and put a tweet out and he says, my geez, I wanted it to be as long as it could could go. But unfortunately, life doesn't work like that. I effing loved every second playing for the uh, blue, white and gold. All the best in the future. Once a G, always a G. Here's the cool thing about Raheem Edwards. I was actually having a discussion with this about with somebody uh, at the L.A. Galaxy is that uh, there were certainly technical deficiencies in his play. Uh, he would get into positions and then you'd want him to score. <laughs> Very rarely did he pull those off, but when he did, good Lord, right? And uh, the way he always played against LAFC is something to remember. Watching him chop the guy from Colorado who probably has a family uh, and seeing him embarrass him and score that that worldy sort of a goal that he put in uh, this last season is just is fun and amazing. Uh, the biggest deal, the reason that he will be remembered so positively is his dedication to the club, uh, his ability to want to talk to fans. And Kevin, uh, you can you can chime in on this as well. 
an absolute pleasure and a joy to talk to in terms of from the press. You were always excited that Raheem Edwards was coming in. He was a good get. You wanted to talk to him. He would always give you a perspective maybe that you didn't think about, or he would be always very clear in what he was trying to get his point across. And he had a point and he wanted to share that. Extremely smart. Yeah. Fun guy. Really good guy to talk to. A lot of times I thought he sometimes was blowing stuff up a little bit, you know, trying to to get that, you know, he knew we wanted a quote and he was trying to give it to us, you know, very helpful. Um, but yeah, he, he, he wasn't one of those guys that said, you know, we're just trying to put them on one, you know, you know, win one for the team and right now, you know, put, no. on, put, put no. my shorts on one leg at a time. No, it, that was not his style. No, a ton of fun. He will be missed. Uh, but the galaxy do get a significant little bump there. Now, uh, the trade window opened. Things are going on. I, you know, I know the galaxy. Listen, most teams, when you are done, Kevin should be hard up against the cap. That means you utilize the cap to its fullest extent. You are there. You've reached the end. Thank you very much. You know, the whole deal. You don't want to have like, you know, a million dollars sitting there and then you didn't do anything with it. Although I'm sure there's teams cough Colorado who do that. Um, the looking at where the LA galaxy are, I, I still see some big contracts and some big things that sort of stand out to me. And so when you're looking at possible trade guys who come in, you have to wonder, would anybody be willing to take some of these guys? I, th- I, I think of, uh, these guys as prime trade bait. Um, Chris Mavinga, a, a large contract, uh, Mavinga in at, you know, almost $452,000, uh, has sort of been hit and miss, uh, has a contract for the season. Uh, and this is his last contract year. So Mavinga in there at 450 is one that I would look at. Uh, we talked about, uh, Martin Caceres, a guy who we didn't think was coming back, but then signed a new contract at the beginning of the, uh, of the 2023 season. So now through in secret, in secret. yeah, in secret. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, just don't, during the whole, uh, whole Chris Klein, uh, debacle at the start of the season. So Kosaris, you know, sitting there on about 556,000 and very much feels like a duplicate of Yoshida. And I expect Yoshida to have a very large, um, you know, leadership role with the LA Galaxy this year. If he's not wearing the armband, I'd be surprised um, whenever all this starts uh, come preseason and everything else. But with Yoshida and Kosaris, yes, you could play those two together. They feel like duplicates of each other, however, and I wouldn't be surprised if if one gets moved and it's not going to be Yoshida, right? It's one of those. It's like, it's not going to be Yoshida. So uh, Kosaris very well could be one of those guys. The other one for me, Kevin, would be Jonathan Bond. Uh, the LA Galaxy went out and got uh, Novak Mitrovic, right? They they got this young goalkeeper. They I, I feel like they're pretty high on him. When you look at his salary, it's not a lot of money, which is probably means that you don't need to move Jonathan Bond if you wanted to. But if you are saying Michovic is going to be our goalkeeper of the future, maybe he doesn't start out as the starter this year, but I wouldn't be surprised if you see him rotate into the starting role there. And then you look at, you know, somebody like Jonathan Bond, who has a contract in, you know, the $525,000 range. Uh, that's again, that's a possibility for if you move him and you get some, let's say you got $300,000 in general allocation money for somebody like Jonathan Bond, that's $825,000 worth of salary cap room that you just moved around and wiggled. Um, so there's, there's a lot that can be done whenever you have these big contracts that maybe look like duplicates or, 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 or have, uh, there's, there's players that sort of seem like they're, they're already in a backup role, right? You don't want to spend 500, $600,000 for your four string center back. I know last year the galaxy went through about 18 center backs. And so it was like, Oh, well anybody would help. Um, but yeah, they, you, you, dressed, you dressed out one game. I remember. Yeah, yeah, I did. I feel, I feel like it. So, um, those are sort of the things that I would look for this trade window well, I, as the trade I, I, windows open. 
I'd like to know where Caceres is with his injury rehab. Yep. Um, you know, he's an older player. I know he came to the Galaxy because he wanted to get ready for the World Cup in Qatar. He played in that World Cup. It was his fourth for Uruguay. He's not going to another one. He might he might be a candidate to play in Copa America if he heals. There may be some motivation there. But I, I'd kind of like to know where he is because what is his motivation to come back at this point? I mean, $565,000, I guess, is a motivation. But, right. you know, might he be a guy that 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 – the galaxy can somehow pay him to go away or he doesn't come back or he's not healthy. I mean, I just like to know his condition. And when you talk about those trades, remember some of them, a guy like Mavinga, they don't have to, if, if they want to move him, they could, uh, you know, agree to pick up part of his salary. And so, so if you move him and you get $250,000 back, right. That could be helpful. And the one thing about the, the galaxy, and I've been, you know, uh, uh, more critical of them than just about anybody, um, you know, the front office and ownership and stuff. One thing they do, with the exception of the an awful year, um, Dan Beckerman and AEG has spent money. They, they have yes. been, they have freely spent money. If there's something they want, they will go out. They're not cheap. Um, they will go out and get it. And so the galaxy do have money to spend. You know, Will Koontz comes in with a lot of tools in his first year as general manager. He's got two DP spots. You know, he's got money to spend and ownership willing to spend it. Uh, that's a good position to be in. So, you know, the Galaxy may be a lot of things, but the cheap is not one of them. Yeah, one of the questions I had on my list for him was about Vanny and whether Vanny's on the hot seat. I mean, you're talking about a coach three out of the last four years. He's in his fourth year now, but three out of the four, uh, three out of the, uh, or two out of the last three years, he's missed the playoffs. He's headed into his fourth season with the LA Galaxy. There's pressure there. And now it was funny. Uh, cause I think Eric and I were talking about like, what are you doing? Is Dan Beckerman going to Will Koontz and being like, Hey, start looking for coaches. You know, whenever he was underneath Vanny, start looking for the guy that's going to replace you is, you know, the whole deal. Well, now Koontz is in that position. So he is in a position to evaluate Greg Vanny. And not only that, but crying honestly, Greg Vanny's future comes with, you know, sort of, uh, meeting the expectations that Will Koontz has as the general manager. It's, he may say it's not weird, but if the galaxy come out and start sucking at the beginning of this year, Kevin, the pressure will be there for, for Greg Vanny. I don't know if uh, if I would say a hot seat, but certainly he is on the clock. And here's why: in the in the first three years, he was able to say, "Look, I had to build this film room. I had to work out the scouting thing. I had to do the academy. I had a lot of stuff going on. Right. You know, I did the right. best I could with the team. Didn't quite make it. Now all those excuses are gone. There's somebody over you. All you need to do. And Will said this in the interview: "There's a lot. He had a lot of stuff on his plate. Now all he has to do is coach. Right. So there's no excuses now. So in that way, I don't know if that's a hot seat, but certainly." Some of the the things that have happened in the first three years, and he's in the last year of his contract as well. Certainly, some of the things that happened in the first three years will not be uh, so easily excused or accepted this year. Yeah. By the way, Gary says that his uh, his order from Jimmy John's is ready for pickup, so we probably have to wrap this thing up. So I I, I, I agree with that. Also, great sandwich choice. Um, I I respect that. Uh, Kevin, is there anything else that you wanted to touch on before we leave? I think we got a lot covered. Uh, I think we're good for the next week. So no show on Thursday. We'll be back again on Monday. Still in the off-season schedule because my wife likes me whenever I don't do shows on Thursday night. Uh, we will we will force that back into into position correctly here as the new year starts. So don't worry. We'll we'll get back to uh, two shows a week. Um, but anything we else? Show, we should do a show from. We should set this up soon from Coachella. We, uh, I, I want to go out one weekend. You want to go out? I would love to. I was actually, I was talking with somebody from the LA galaxy today and I thought about mentioning that. And then we got, we were, we, we were busy. Do, here's, here's my idea. And I think you talked about this. I think I'm ripping this off from you. 
do it in the lobby of the team hotel yeah. and maybe just, have the galaxy, you know, here comes Jonathan Vaughn and sit down and talk to us for a little wh- bit. Why don't they just rent us a, like a ballroom in the hotel and then we could have it. We could have fi- fans come in. They could just run people through there. Right. The whole deal. By the way, I would like to take this uh, time because Will was talking about stuff that was going on in the stadium and stuff like that. That sounds like a marketing thing to me. So Will Misselbrook, you are now hereby on the clock and we expect you to come on the show here uh, in the next couple weeks and talk about all the fun things we can expect at the stadium. So uh, that's uh, that's also on the plan uh, for for this preseason. There's a lot of wills at the galaxy. There, there is, there is. When you go to say, "Hey, Will," right? A bunch of people stand. They up. all stand up out of their cubicles. Oh, uh, yeah. Huh? Well, you know, Kevin Acevedo is listening to this show, as we know. He's not listening um, tonight live. He's going to listen in the morning. I talked to him today. No, he listens why he's training for the Tour de France on his 20 mile right, bike ride right. every day. He, so, so Kevin Acevedo, we've asked for uh, a place at the team hotel, right, where we would bring fans or a hotel. You can set it up wherever you want, and if you don't want fans at the team hotel. And we'll bring the fans and we'll bring our uh, recording equipment. You just give us a place and maybe some players could wander by just, you know, coincidentally. And Stop on by. we'll have a third chair. They could sit down and talk. We'll even have microphones. You know, I'll put on a headset. It'll be it'll be very fancy. We will we will get all dolled up for it. Uh, I have my own PA system. But, you know, if the hotel ballroom has maybe, one, I say we maybe we'll have one. Will Squared. Will Squared can come by. We too. can have them. both. I'll bring four mics. We can have them on either side. We'll just toss out, you know, questions at will. That will be the segment. Questions at will. Where, where, there, where there are wills, there's a way. They're absolutely 100%. All right. Uh, I think that does it for us tonight. Exciting show. I want to thank the LA Galaxy and certainly Will Koontz for coming on. Uh, always enlightening to talk to somebody at that level and to clear up all the rumors. And plus, I get tired of shooting down all the rumors. So I'm glad he could shoot down hey, some Next more. week, Phil Anschutz will be here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uncle Phil. Yeah, I mean, he's technically a white whale that we're never getting, but it would be fun. I mean, I like to think we're the biggest thing. I'll tell you right now, I don't believe there are any other team-focused podcasts that do two live shows a week. I think we're the only crazy ones who do that. Um, so I, I believe we're getting giving more content than most, uh, you know, team focused podcasts do probably because they have lives um, and, and their wives like them. Um, so, you know, that's po- that's a possibility for sure. So, um, yeah, that's it. No show on Thursday. We'll be back on Monday. Uh, I'm sure there'll be lots of news that sort of spatters through this week. Uh, if we need to do an emergency one, I will see. But Thursday, this, this isn't going to work for me. Here's my here's my plug before we go. Uh, this weekend, the 16th and 17th of December uh, at the train club, we do have Santa and Mrs. Claus. I'm telling you this to my listeners. We're in Costa Mesa. The real ones. Yeah. The real ones. The real ones. We got the real ones. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Uh, they're at the North Pole. Uh, we are open from 10 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. Uh, I would suggest that there's probably going to be a 30-minute wait at least uh, in order to get on the train. So you come with a little patience. Uh, but we take you from Costa Mesa to the North Pole and the North Pole back. Uh, and we can do that all in the span of about 20 minutes. So we're pretty talented with what we do. Uh, I'd love to see you out there. Obviously, it's a it's a big fundraising time for us as well. So uh, everything's free, uh, but we always ask for donations. So if you have any questions, you can hit me up on Twitter. Uh, but please, uh, if you want to, bring the kiddos out. Uh, I'll be working the North Pole, so you will... You will get to see me whenever you arrive in the North Pole. Um, you know, I'll be wearing the parka and the and the hat and the gloves because it's cold in the North Pole. Um, and so we'd love to see you there. So Sam Edwards will be there. Yeah, maybe. You never know. He's on his way. He's on. He's getting closer. Certainly uh, getting closer. All right. Um, again, in Costa Mesa at Fairview Park, uh, OCMETrains.org. OCMETrains.org is the website and all the information is there. All right. Uh, Kevin, you good? We're good. I'm good. Okay. Uh, if you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter 
Uh, on Twitter, you can find him at KBaxter11. Head on over to LA Times for all the soccer coverage. That's where you can find it. Again, at KBaxter11 at LATimes.com. If you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at Jay Guessman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast Corner, thegalaxy.com. Rumor Tracker is up. It is live. We will update it throughout this season. It's one of my most favorite things to do as well. All right. Uh, no show on Thursday. Back on Monday. We hope everybody has a wonderful weekend. Come visit me at the train club. Hope to see you there very, very soon. All right. For Kevin, the Panda Baxter, I'm Josh Pato Guessman. Big shout out to Mr. Will Koontz as well. Thank you for joining us here on our little Corner of the Galaxy from the box. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody. 